here to talk about trauma bonding. Now, first, does anyone have any confusion behind that? Like, does that statement bring up confusion? Does it bring about questions before I go in? Because, you know, that. Well, I just wanted to, cl- I think I know what you mean, but I just wanted mm-hmm. to clarify. Do you mean, like, you know, in the hood when they say, oh, my little cousin's bad as hell. And then you're like, yo, you know, my little cousin did this. And then it's like, <laughs> you know, we're like we're competing about who's, who's fucking the worst. See, no, uh, actually, that that's a good point. I didn't look at it like that. But yeah, no, that, that can go into it too. But I think, I think, Jomiah. Yeah, I didn't really have any questions because I, I kind of have an idea of what it is. Huh. But essentially, like, you go up thinking you're just not deserving enough, whether it's through trauma or something or punishment per se. And in order for you to receive love, you, you need to be good. Like, quote unquote, you need to be good. Ooh. So, like, if you're good enough for them, then they'll love you. Essentially, like, you know? Yeah, see, that's good too. I didn't look at it like, see, there's there's several different things that are basically coming from trauma bonding. I was the original thought behind it is the fact of how I've seen numerous relationships between people, and I'm not saying I judge. I'm just saying what I noticed and what people come to me and personally meant about. All right, so let's say for example, you're talking to someone, not talking like. The, just literally the act of conversation. You're talking with a person that you might have a crush on or whatever. And they tell you that, yeah, I've been cheated on, actually the last person, blah, 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 blah. And then you're like, oh, wow, that's crazy because I actually just got finished being cheated on too, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then you guys are both starting like, oh, did they do like this, that, and the third? Yeah, that's crazy how that went. Yeah, da, 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 because this person did this and that's how I found out. Oh, wow, that's crazy because my person did this and that's how they, that's how I found out. You know, like literally bonding yeah. over the yeah. traumatic experience of being hurt by someone you once felt strongly about. And with that, I'm saying that breeds the nature of like kind of putting a lot of things aside where like after a while, once you realize that the only thing you two share in common is how you were both hurt. It's like, damn, now instead of it being all right, we're not going to do that to each other because we know how it feels like it then becomes one of them actually does exactly what they were traumatized like. And I've seen that. I've actually had that happen to me before. (laughs) Um, I had a person literally tell me that like verbatim what the last person did to them. And they literally did the same exact thing to me. That's why I wanted to bring, not that's why, but that's where the idea of trauma bonding kind of like stuck with me. Cause I'm like, wow, that's crazy because I felt as though that's where we connected most was through the past experiences as opposed to being like future mindset or like common values like we talked about on the show. So does that like open it up to you guys a little bit more or give you a better idea which way I was heading or am I reaching? That makes perfect sense to me. Well, for me, it's a little, it's it's like, I, I'm not too sure if that's what like the real definition trauma bonding is. Like, like for okay. me, that kind of goes a little bit into you are talking to someone you're trying to find some common ground and in the beginning because you're like smitten over them you just are yes man like yeah same thing happened to me me." like so you want to find some type of common ground and you kind of build off of that yes it's usually drama and gossip and all those things but it's like the idea of real traumatic experiences happening to you as a kid like abusive father abusive mother you got raved by your uncle or like something like 
something really serious and then you as you get older like you don't really see yourself as worthy enough so you feel like you have to behave differently to be good for the other person because you're seeking their approval so you're like the trauma's coming from you per se you're not seeing it you're thinking that you're bonding in like the normal way but really all you're doing is trying to be good and seek the approval of that person through the trauma and that's like trauma bonding i like that one i like oh, that look, one. Like, like if you if you if you take a look at what the definition of trauma bonding is it's like from your past experiences you kind of invite abusive partners into your life because it winds up being reflective of what happened to you when you were younger. Not necessarily like we're out on a date, like, yeah, like this happened to me. Yeah, this happened to me too. Like, yes, to a degree, but that's like the surface level. Like if you really go on deeper, it's almost like the women who, or the men who get abused in their relationships when they're older, most likely were abused as kids or raped as kids. They get raped when they're older or they do, or they become the raper or the rapist that's how i see trauma bonding yeah no that's crazy because i thought i i use trauma bonding as a general statement which now that i know it's an actual coin term by uh patrick carnes by him um and he describes it as the misuse of fear excitement sexual feelings and sexual physiology to entangle another person oh lord entangle. i thought we thought we left that with, with jada um we're out, we're out of august we're in september now yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's <laughs> you know, like, but no, I, I had no idea. Like, I didn't, I didn't really look at it like that. But now that I know, it really, it gets real deep. And I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious as hell. I just, like I said, I use it as a, a general description to how people tend to gravitate towards the persons who don't necessarily directly remind them of what they were traumatized by, but in one way or another, subconsciously do. I, I 100% think that it exists. Um, you know, it sounds like you were saying it, but like Joe said, it kind of goes a little bit deeper and he kind of got into the more deeper meaning. And the deeper thing that I'm not so much always wanted to know, but I was always curious about why certain things like that happen, like the rape E becomes the rape er, and mm. you know, mm. situations like that, like, what causes that and i came up with my own reasons in my mind on why that may happen you know it, it definitely is interesting to see those things and 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 i definitely believe that it is true um because you see it on many many levels like i just said the whole rapist thing but also you know like joe stated the the woman who i i say woman because it's usually women i don't know too many men it's usually women who get beat in a situation you know they had an abusive boyfriend at a young age or abusive uh, father stepfather whatever the case may be and then when they get older they end up being in the same situation they say oh they only know that to be loved like the people who told the person who told them that they loved them was the one who was beating on them so when they got older, they only, you know what, now that I'm talking about it, I have been that. I have met, one of my exes was like that. She, um, she didn't think, like, I remember we were having, we were having a great relationship. And I mean, when I, when I mean a great relationship, I mean, damn near, no arguing. Everything was copacetic. Every time we would spend time together, everything was cool. 
We would have fun together. Everything was cool, but I sensed that something was off, like something like she wasn't having the best time or, or things weren't as good as, 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 as what I had looked at them to be in her eyes. So I, uh, we ended up having a conversation and I asked her, I said, you know, you know, I, I forgot how I put it, but she ended up telling me straight up, like, you know, we are not having enough arguments. Like this relationship is too nice. It's too smooth. It's too, and I was really young. I want to say I was like 16 years old when this was going on. I don't think I reacted the best way because I started to feed into that, started to create more arguments, started to create more problems. Trauma bonding is essentially, for example, when you're a child and you have an abusive parent. You don't know they're really abusive, but you know you love them. And you know you want their acceptance. So no matter what your father does or your mother does that's abusive to you, you don't say anything about it. You internalize it because you want their love and you want their acceptance. Over time, that kind of becomes second nature. So then when you get into your own relationships and you try to develop your own relationships, when a problem arises where, or, or an abusive problem uh, presents itself, you are automatically, your reflexive response, because you learned that behavior in the past, is just be quiet, don't say anything, because you want their love, you want their acceptance. So you essentially are bonding to an abusive partner, which is what happened to you when you were a child. That's trauma bonding. Like, I'm literally sitting here with, with, the, with the expression where you got two hands on your head and your elbows are out, I'm just like, wow. <laughs> Yeah, so you just you mistake abuse as love, essentially, and it's not love, it's it's abuse. So like you would just hear I mean you hear people say this all the time, like, oh like he's really working through a lot, but I love him. Or um mm. I know he I know he does those things, mm. but but like yeah, and that's not I'm not saying that, that that can't be love. There's someone in my family like this, right? He's in uh. he's in a relationship like this. Um, it's one of my brothers. I could say that. I have seven of them. You can pick. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead. So, essentially, like, in those moments where the abuse was confronted to the person who was being abused, they had responses such as, he didn't mean to get angry. He didn't mean to hit me. He meant to, he meant to throw the phone there, but it hit me in the face. Or he meant to swing past me, but it hit me. Or he's just angry. It's okay. Like, he'll be okay. It's like, none of it is okay. But you're used to bonding through through the abuse and you mistake it as love. You know, and, and just hearing you explain it, I now know for a fact that this is definitely something that need to be talked about on For the Community Podcast. Um, simply because of the fact of, one, I had a misinterpretation of it to where I thought it was strictly one thing and where Joe is the, uh, the, the future doctorate person in this here said conversation so he actually knows and has heard the term before that i thought was just a coin term it's just amazing to hear how like it's literally embedded in us to bond via trauma for it to be that way and you now are adjusting yourself because growing up 
like that's how you would receive said incentive which would be love for example you know you would have to go through struggle in a sense you know you would have to go through the fights you would have to accept the the verbal lashings you know or the being put down and stuff like that like you would have to get that in order to get what you perceived was love which is what kind of what joe was kind of alluding to the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, just by expecting different results, right? But the amount of people who claim or would, would say that, you know, nine, nine people out of ten that you ask, if you want better, they'll say yes. But to know that it's so enrooted in us to not necessarily gravitate towards better, but to just gravitate towards what is familiar is just astounding. Like, it always, always trips me out. Like, this is some serious stuff. Like, like a lot of people don't realize exactly what is going on often because, you know, their, their childhood or something is, 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 is something they really don't want to talk about. Yeah, suppressing it, man. They don't want to address it. And then what winds up happening is it's like this very bad, vicious, cyclical pattern of bad habits and, and, and learned behavior. And yes, it can be unlearned or re, you could retrain yourself. Whenever you justify the abuser's behavior, that is automatically one of the telltale signs of you are in a relationship that is considered trauma bonding and not love. Like, yeah, like he, he had a he had a terrible childhood. He right. it, he deserves a fair chance. He deserves a fair chance. Or like those things. Like every one of those examples, and even childhood one, it's like, or he didn't mean to throw the phone at me, and throw behind me. It's like you're, you're just you're, you're justifying his behavior. You should just say it's not good. You're you're enabling it. You're enabling it. Let's call it what it is. Yeah, yeah. You're giving them grounds to continue to be the person that you claim, or not even claim. But that is is hurting you, you know, and they're like, oh, well, but 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 then, like I said, it kind of goes into the point of like struggle. All right. So let me let me ask y'all this. I mean, now that we got the foundation of traumatic. We have or is it fair to say that in our community, both black, Hispanic, you know, saying especially that we have a tendency to associate struggle with love, like in order to get love, one must struggle why is 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 that too far-fetched am i am i reaching like i need y'all let me know like, is, is that fair fair to say i don't think we've ever really felt you know you talk about it a lot alice unconditional love and, and i don't think that we have felt unconditional love growing up much so when we get into relationships we think that we have to go through trauma or have to go through certain things to get to where we want to go you know um and exemplified in other areas of our life where you know it's like oh you, you, your parents worked for uh 40 years and then they retired at this at this shitty job and that they didn't really want to work for but they'll tell you oh you just got to get a good job work for 40 years and then that'll be it you know and they they have come to the understanding that you know you have to go through all of this this nonsense to get to your piece of the pie or whatever you like to call it so you know i think in not only in relationships but in you know many parts of our lives happiness you can't just be born into greatness greatness can't walk up to you or you know you just it just doesn't happen like that you know so especially i think we last time we got together we talked about how um how joe you were saying when older people 
or older men, for example, you start talking about love or relationships, they always like, don't get married, you know, or, or, you know, the wait it out or something like that. And like, where did this notion really begin? I know no one has the right, not necessarily the right answer, but an answer. Where did this notion come from? Like where, why, why is it perceived for us in order to have a long lasting relationship, a long lasting marriage, con, uh, uh, what is perceived to be love, we must fight, we must dispute, we gotta argue, we gotta fight, we gotta struggle, we, we have to cry and, and scratch and claw and yell and ridicule. Like why, why, why is that an expectation though? Is it literally because that's just the way it is? Is people like to cover it up? Or is it because of these underlying issues like childhood trauma, trauma bonding, and you know, et cetera, et cetera? Well, I think I think it's like a, a like a multifaceted problem. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, yeah, childhood trauma is a part of it, but also the the man's role up until very recently has been you're loved upon the condition you can provide. Ooh, talk uh, about it. Talk about it, because a lot of people like to deny that. But go ahead, talk about it. Yeah, and and essentially, I really think the root of most of the, I don't know the inception of it, but I would think the point that could be generalized across all of the ideologies is the fact that people don't necessarily understand what true love is, so they don't know what they're looking for. Uh, You know, we spoke about what love means and how it is for me, at least, and and even for, for people who are extremely religious, love is a decision. And the struggle, it's not absent of the struggle. Because, the, you know, the old cliche, there is beauty in the struggle. Struggle's okay. Yeah. If love is, because right now in the 21st century, love has been monetized to the degree that it should be, it should be all rainbows and butterflies. You think so? I feel like every, people like the, well, no, you're right, you're right. Because people, that, that's why they would say they're not looking for love or not ready for anything is because they're looking for that perfect pony to come trotting across yeah. their face. Uh, but I mean, but but look at the ceremony. It's like yeah. everyone wants to go on the honeymoon. Everyone wants to spend 40, 50 grand on the wedding. Well, not everyone, but you know. Look the at the ceremony. I'm going to use that. It's glorified like, oh, this is the happiest day of my life. I, this, is the, this is a foreshadowing of what my marriage is going to be. And if, if you really think like that, you're in for a rude awakening. And the problem is too many people feel like it should be that way. When again, if you feel like love is an emotion and all emotions are temporary, we're never one thing for too long. It's mm-hmm. not gonna last. It's not gonna last. And that's just the reality of the situation. But like you said, there's there's an emphasis on highlights, happiness, and I would say hormones. Like that's that's what the, the three things I think are generation really thrives off of and it's because not because but a major fact like you said it's multifaceted and a major reason to that is social media because you only see the good so when you see the the couple pictures for example and and people love to say future goals goals mood whatever the hell is the the word that's in style for the year um that becomes now all right that's that's what i want that's exactly what I want. I don't want anything else. And if any anyone who reminds me of anything that doesn't align with that, I'm, I can't do it. I'm out. I don't want to deal with this. So I feel like that leads into something that we've struggled even before this time of social media, which is reconciliation and being able to uh, 
uh, not necessarily agree to disagree, but conflict resolution. I feel like that's that's something that people just don't seem to even practice or even know to exist in their everyday life or acknowledge in the, to the point where once a conflict comes about, no one knows how to work through it or talk about it. It's more like, all right, so let's say I'm on Twitter. People's solution is, oh, let's have sex and then forget about what happened. That's not good enough. I mean, it's good sometimes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me, let me, let me not sound like the the holy sanctified stack, cause yeah, I, I ain't there yet. God, he, he ain't doing me yet. Um, but yeah, it's it's been perceived that that's the only solution. Basically, move on is to just act like it didn't happen. And you know, this is, it just continues to get so deep. Like, it's but you mentioned crazy. you mentioned the whole you know uh, black and Hispanic thing, and it's like, I mean, there's a reason. I mean, there's a lot of reasons, oh, but one of, them, one of them being why uh, black and Hispanic people have a hard time when opportunities do present themselves to communicate is because, I mean, I've been, t- like, I mean, I love my dad, I love my parents, but I couldn't speak when I was little. Facts. Because I, I was a kid, place. You know, and I'm not saying, you know, people automatically think like, oh, well, let my child speak, then he's going to talk out of the side of his neck. Like, no, that doesn't mean that. But giving them necessary, like a voice and allowing them to communicate and express themselves goes a long way in their professional life and their personal life, which we don't get afforded that opportunity uh, only one or two ways, like either having enlightenment, like, whoa, like we've been kind of living wrong. Right. Uh, Right, right, right. It's, it's, it's very, very tough to, one, realize that, and then, two, implement something you never learned before. And again, it just goes back to learned behavior. If you know if you know how to suppress yourself, but you don't know how to express it, then how does any of this work? How does you loving somebody work? How does you getting that promotion to become a boss at your job work? When you feel like you're being taken advantage of in the workplace, what's your automatic response? Shut up. Literally, 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 shut up and just content and just bow, bow your head and keep keep it moving. Yeah, and and, I, and that's I think that's one of the key differences that you know. Obviously, looking forward, I'm gonna try to do my best to make sure like you have a voice. There still can be a line, by the way, uh, and we have to figure that out. And it is fluid as they get older, but you have a voice. Uh, I'm not gonna shut you up because you need to advocate for yourself. That's, you just gave me an idea for, for, for the next video. Suppression versus expression. My God, what a topic. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yo, like, this is how you know everything aligns and it comes together the way it's supposed to because I, I swear I was kind of stuck on what, what to, like, dive into next with suppression versus expression. Yo, I really do enjoy talking to y'all, man, because I always have these moments, but I don't really express them over the mic, but I'm doing it today. To think that a lot of people don't even know how to articulate this thought because i feel like a lot of people think very deeply and intensely they just don't know how to say it or feel like you said feel like they have a voice to say it so i won't go out here and be like oh you know we're great thinkers and you know we we're the only ones who thought of this it's more or less like we're the first ones i feel like to talk about this in depth where it's like yeah this is this is what it is this is or this is where to start like we don't have the exact answers or blueprint and we we all three of us are very careful to to not tell somebody that or or to tell people that we don't have the answers rather um but for a lot of people i feel like majority of things would 
make a lot more sense and you'll be able to understand yourself better if you just a step you don't have to go all the way into the past but you got to understand that it could be something that precedes you like it could be something that has been passed down generational trauma you know i like that's even becoming like a, a common theory and and talked about conversation where generational this generational that um everyone's talking about generational wealth but no one wants to talk about generational trauma but anyway talk for another day um so i say that to to now pick jimmy first um do you no we we talked about how, how you <laughs> how your household worked where it was it, it's my house uh with your dad um but what kind of freedom or what what do you think having a voice would have done for you as a kid i'll say that well um you know i uh i got a piece of it on that episode um i got a glimpse or idea of what it would look like if i had more of a voice to speak um growing up on that episode when dr um aaron johnson came on when he spoke about you know speaking up for yourself in school and and, 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 and and not standing for the flag and a lot of things that you know i thought about when i was younger but you know your guys talked about when you feel like you're getting mistreated or something you just shut up and that was kind of my thing even though i will say you know i got to speak a lot more and voice my opinion a lot more than they did. And I think it showed growing up, you know, I would be the one who would say something to a teacher or to an adult or to somebody that could get me in trouble, would get me in trouble a lot quicker than my friends. And then they, they, they'd be the, uh, you know, you know, the old slave. Oh, yo, shut up. You're going to get us in trouble. Boy. <laughs> you know, so I got that a lot growing up. Um, and I think it's because my dad allowed us, you know, he said that he wanted us to speak and he did allow us to speak for the most part. But like I said, whenever you would go against him to a significant degree that he would say, you know, it's my house, blah, blah, blah. So, but in those times, I guess with him allowing us to speak the amount that he did, I got the confidence up to say certain things and, and not just keep my mouth shut because you know, I talk about it a lot with friends and, and and my exes and things where I look at it like this, like, you know, when you come into a conversation, especially a passionate one where you got your ideas involved and, and things that you've grown up with or things that you've really thought about, when you're putting that stuff to the line or to the test, it's like you're putting your life on the line. and. When you put your life on the line and you die, and when I mean you die is you're, in my case, my father breaking down what I had thought was, was life or thought was the right thing to do or the right way. What I put all my thought and emotions behind, he told me how it was wrong and why it was wrong. And that crushed me, you know, as a young kid, I remember, I remember having a small argument about basketball with these kids, and, and they were we were all playing basketball down the block, and it was it was about a call, and I was like, yo, you can't do this, blah 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 blah, and it was like, yes, you can, you can do this, blah blah, and my dad just so happened to be coming down the block at the time, so they, I was like, look, it's my dad, let me ask him, so they were like, they were like, all right, let's ask him, so we asked him, 
And he was like, no, Vaughn, you're wrong. You're supposed to do this. Man, I almost cried because I was arguing this point with all, all my voice, all my heart, all my soul. You know, I put everything into this argument. And when he told me that I was wrong, I damn near almost cried. But I think that taught, I think the fact that after I didn't cry and I moved on and we finished to play basketball, I understood that I can go up into any argument or any conversation and have that idea or have that thought and still be wrong and come out and I wasn't gonna physically die. Like it wasn't the end of the world if I put my whole heart and soul into something and I failed. And I think that gave me the confidence to move forward. And I think that's what, you know, a lot of times we're missing in these communities is the confidence to speak up. That that one key piece is, you know, I tell a lot of people, you know, we gotta stop telling, I don't have kids, but, we have to stop telling kids in general to shut up or to stop talking. You know, it's like we, we have to we have to make this more of a two way street and less of a one way. Oh, I just know everything and you know nothing because you're a child, because it kills their confidence when they get into situations, when they get into situations where say somebody is doing something wrong to them, where they're trying to rape them, where they're trying to do something uh, foul to them. They don't speak up because they feel like if they do speak up and they put their heart and soul behind it, then they'll just get shut down. And that's going to hurt a lot worse than if they were just arguing some basketball call. So when something's going on in my job, to make sure that I speak up, to make sure that I don't do whatever it is that it's okay to do. Or I don't, I don't ruffle any feathers. I, I want to get, I know people hearing this that know me might say, Vaughn, you ruffle feathers all the time. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be quiet. I'm trying to be quiet. I'm going to let him rock. I'm going to let him yeah, rock. Yeah, but I don't, in my life, I feel like I don't ruffle feathers enough. I feel like I ruffle feathers comfortably around my friends and yeah. the people that I have tested the borders with already. Right. But in situations that I'm new to, I feel like I, I stay a little bit more quiet in the idea that, oh, you know, maybe if I don't say anything, they'll see what I'm, what I'm trying to, what, what they're doing wrong. I feel like comfort brings, uh, comfort breeds confidence though. So like you're confident around your friends and stuff that we won't be mad or that we'll judge you or anything like that by ruffling feathers. Cause it's like, you know what, he's just like, that's just how he is, you know? Like, it's just, all right, cool. We, we've accepted you and, and that environment is now conducive with comfortability to allow you to be expressive to the point where you feel as though you ruffle feathers, ain't nobody gonna look at you like, what's the matter with you? You know, yeah. like, all right, so I struggled with, and I kind of still do. I don't really do too many, too many speaking, public speaking uh, events, obviously with, you know, what's going on as well. Whenever it came down to present a project in school, right? I'd be the first person to come with every excuse in the book. Oh man, my, my throat paused. Um, I just can't, uh, you know, I'm sick, my stomach hurt, just, or it's not right. Like I remember I literally took a letter grade down because I was that scared to get up and talk. But it was literally because I never had the chance to, like I was never given the confidence to speak up and like stand firm on what I believe in. It was always, let me just blend into the background. 
just fade, slowly fade. Um, and I know that if I was able to speak in front of the people that I was scared of, which was pretty much my grandparents or my, my parents or whatever, um, or whatever adult figure that was watching me at the time, um, I would have had the world of confidence to be expressive. You know, not necessarily overly expressive, but just enough to the point where I wasn't shying away from opportunities to literally give my honest opinion on something, you know? And I feel like a lot of people, even in their friends groups, well, first of all, Twitter, you can't you can't be yourself on Twitter. You, you'll get ridiculed day and night for it. Because um, <laughs> if you, let's say you disagree with something that would be publicly perceived to be very, quote unquote, ignorant, where it could just be something you simply don't believe in. You know, it could be in I'm not I'm not gonna get into it. But just just along those lines, like Don't fall into the trap. Yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> right. I was about to. I was about to. I know for a fact in the beginning stages childhood where if I was giving the confidence, just not even you don't even have to physically tell me here's the confidence to be yourself. It's just the 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 chance to explain what happened as a kid, what it did a world of good. Just that, just that alone would have been, it, it, there was never the right time. It was always, if I spoke back, I got beat. If I didn't say something or explain what happened, I got beat. So it was like, I, I was, it was a catch 22. Either I lose or I lose. So I I, I know if, if, if it would have started there for a fact, it, 